This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The brutal truth in grief is that the widely accepted definitions of healing, such as going back to normal, do not apply. Catherine Hatch has spent many years thinking about what healing actually means in grief and how this healing occurs. This post is about the how of healing more than the what. She has noticed a pattern in her clients who find a way to live within their grief. These folks receive compassion and empathy, not pity, from those around them whether that is from a friend or a complete stranger. In this act of witnessing and connection, their grief is allowed to exist. And the irony is in this allowing for the grief to exist, it can finally move and change and evolve. She truly believes that the key ingredient of healing is not a matter of time. It is a matter of connection and feeling, as though someone feels and sees us in our experience. And to go one step further, Catherine believes that the most effective and sustainable mechanism for healing, whether this is related to grief or trauma, is in feeling witnessed and seen by ourselves. There's a great power in feeling witnessed by others, and there's even more settling when the parts of us that have been deeply wounded and are grieving know that we see them and are paying attention. In essence, this is self-compassion, a turning towards ourselves with grace and love. This is the ultimate in allowing our grief to exist and propels healing. Those who are able to turn towards their own grief and pain and suffering with grace not only find a way to live within the experience, they usually find themselves, however surprising, living well within their experience. Valeria interviews Catherine Hatch, MSW, LCSW, LICSW, LCSW-C is a grief therapist, advocate, and educator. She is also the owner of Grounded Grief, a grief-focused psychotherapy practice serving humans on both coasts, as well as clinicians and communities who are building capacity to sit with grief. Catherine's passion for grief and loss began over 15 years ago during her time as a hospice volunteer. She has since worked as a clinical social worker in palliative care and hospice settings in Colorado, Oregon, and Maryland, as well as a grief and trauma psychotherapist for the Wendt Center for Loss and Healing in Washington, D.C. Currently, Catherine provides individual and group sessions in her practice, as well as training consultation and facilitation. Catherine lives in Portland, Oregon with her five-year-old daughter and their beloved lop-eared bunny, Snowball. Currently, she loves playing wall ball and working on her book. Meet Catherine on Instagram at groundedgrief.com. And also visit her website, groundedgrief.com. Here's the interview with Catherine Hatch.
in your own words, who is Catherine Hatch? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I'm a human. I'm a human. I love that answer. (laughs) I'm a mom. (laughs) I'm I'm a daughter. I'm an unmarried woman. And someone who likes to have these kind of conversations. (laughs) But I'm I'm human first. What is to be a human being? What is about humans? What is the purpose of the human experience and what is to be a human? I have no idea. I don't pretend to know what it is for for anyone. And I think that we're all seeking to figure that out, whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not. And I think our relationship to what our purpose is evolves depending on how we grew up and and our access to resources and our our race and our class and all of our identities. So I I really don't know <laughs> what the answer is for for anyone. Um, and you know, in in my work, I you know the question of of purpose and um essentially you know existential thoughts it's it's actually one of one of the parts of my work that i love the most how how us humans are making meaning out of our our suffering and our experiences and um and i i don't in in terms of my work i don't ever see myself as someone who has any answers um but someone who's a witness to people's exploration of of those questions that oftentimes they get thrust into um exploring sometimes for the first time so that's a beautiful way of expressing that understanding even saying i don't know that's such a, a powerful space to be a way of living i find that it's interesting when we claim to know or the more we do claim to know the more we create separation from ourselves and the experiences and other people and everything around us. We label everything. We, it's interesting, right, Catherine? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, one of, I will say, <laughs> one of um, my greatest sources of like feeling proud of myself as a, as a, a mom, I have a, a five-year-old and I feel like one of the, one of the things that um, I've, I've been able to kind of claim for myself over, especially over the past few years of living in so much unknown that that all of us have faced in a, in a different way, um, different level with the pandemic. But um, really what I'm trying to say is that I've been able to just what, I hear my kid say when people ask her questions, I don't know. And, and I think that there's so much pressure in our world and particularly as as parents to to have answers and to know things and I actually have found so much peace and freedom um in in saying I don't know to my kid and and this is in regards to massive shifts in her own life and my own life um you know in terms of um personally I just I lost my my dad to to cancer three months ago and um my my marriage ended in divorce last December and and so I bring that up because 
there's there's so much that is unknown <laughs> in terms of um, some of the future and and some things that that aren't explainable to a five year old. Um, but I but I can sit with her in the unknown and and I can sit with myself in that and um, and I think that's what grief helps us to do to sit in those spaces of um, unknown and what we can't control and what we cannot fix and um and and what is essentially irreversible in our lives um, so a question that came to me is how do we become more how did you how do you become more comfortable or learn to become more comfortable with the unknown which has mm -hmm. to do with grief and how do you teach this to other people mm -hmm. um I'll speak for myself first and then I think that I think that my my education around um I would say learning to to be with the unknown is 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 directly as you mentioned it it is directly related to our ability as humans and and my own ability that has had to evolve over many years um to sit with the pain of grief and and to to tolerate being in that space and not just not just in a mental exercise way but in a in a feeling it in your body and feeling it in your heart um and and allowing for the ex expanse of those emotions to to just to flow through and, and be part of you and i think i think how i've been able to really embrace that is well one i think i used to my career in terms of grief, I really came to it um, through the work, work in hospice. And one of my first hospice um, jobs, I was actually an intern at a small hospice in Colorado. And um, at the time, I was a social worker and um, still am. And um, one of the requirements for this particular hospice was that at each death that happened, um, both a nurse and a social worker had to be present. Um, I was very young in my career and, and really what that meant for me at the time was that I was essentially forced to walk into homes and into people's lives. Um, maybe I'd met them, maybe I hadn't and walk into these moments when, um, it was just the worst moment that maybe they had ever had. And to, to really have nothing to say, there were no words there was there I, I was forced to figure out how to be in those spaces and and granted it was clunky and I was not good at it um all the time and I think that is so much of where my ability and and learning and growth in terms of um tolerating the distress of the pain of grief started um and I have so much gratitude for those experiences as as frightening as they were. Um, so I think that that is essentially what I try to bring to working with my clients is I don't pretend to know how to help people be in the unknown, but I do, I do know how to be with people in, in being in their pain and helping them hold space for their pain and, and not just me witnessing it with them, but but helping them actually turn towards their pain and become in relationship 
to it so it doesn't take over. It doesn't control them. It doesn't um, become the guide for their actions. Um, because I believe that if we become in relationship with our grief, um, it has the opportunity then to evolve and to change and to grow. And and that's what I would call a healing pathway. Um, healing's a tricky word for me in terms of grief because grief, I don't think ever goes away, but I think it it evolves and and is directly um, affected by our ability to sit with the pain of it. It makes so much sense to me. It resonates true. What I try to do is to understand more for <laughs> myself too, what to do when those feelings, um, it's a sensation of burning too, okay. I have noticed. When I let the feelings just stay yeah, <laughs> within the body, it burns in certain areas and you feel the movement. And I love what you just said about not um, letting those feelings to take form of actions. So we don't act driven by those feelings. If you could elaborate a little bit more on that, Catherine, I would appreciate. Is that something that we stay with in a sense, tolerating the, those painful, deep, powerful pain within? So we just let the body process it even without getting the mind, the thoughts to get involved. How is that possible? I just, I just yeah, want to, because yeah. I keep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when I talk about this, I, I know that it's, it can be confusing um, in the sense of like, it's, it, it might sound to some people like, oh, I just, I need you to be in your suffering. And, and really what, what I'm actually asking folks is to distinguish between suffering and pain. And, and this, this, and in regards to grief, let's just, you know, if we, if we talk about grief, because, because trauma is a little bit, it's, it's a little bit different. So um, what I'm asking for my clients to do is, is to identify um, uh, the, their, their pain points. And so some people have said like, you know, there's kind of sweet pain and, and sour pain. So that's another way to distinguish between pain and, and suffering. That's even used sometimes in like physical therapy or kind of a lot of the bodywork modalities. Um, but getting back to, you know, how do we be with our pain? And then I think the pain that we feel um, when we are navigating a significant loss, and this could be a loss due to death or it could be a loss due to anything in our life, right? A relationship shift. Um, uh, and I think being with that pain is actually a relational process, meaning um, this pain is actually a, a connection that I have to my person. It is actually a form of love, I would not be in this pain. And so when I say pain, I'm actually talking about a pure missing and a pure kind of a, the purity of missing, the purity of yearning, the purity of being with, gosh, like this will not change. And then I think that if this is the true pureness of grief in that moment, grief itself, we actually don't have to work so hard because <laughs> I think grief itself has a natural oscillation. It has a natural curve. It wants to go up and down. And so when given the opportunity, grief, we engage with it, right? Oh my gosh, I miss my person, right? I just sit with that. 
I miss him. I miss her. I miss them. And, and if you, if you actually allow yourself to be in that space, there's, there's this inclination to be like, wow. And I'm here and I'm still here. So, so that, that is kind of like what I believe is kind of the right best case scenario of grief is that we engage with our pain and that we allow for its natural curvature to happen, the ups and downs. Now, now what we do as humans and where we get in trouble is we oftentimes have emotions about our emotions, right? So we get into this place of pain and then there we go into those places of if onlys, could have, should have, the judgments towards ourselves for even having this hard emotion. And that that's what I call suffering. Suffering also contains trauma, right? So early on, right, most of my clients were actually not navigating the grief as much as we're navigating the trauma, the how the death happened, the the event, as opposed to the the relationship, right, with that person or with that part of your life. Um, and so, and so, I'm not asking people to kind of like honestly just sit in their in their suffering but i am asking them to go towards the pain knowing that if they give their pain attention or able to tolerate that it's going to actually ignite what i would call your psychological immune system your ability to to have a natural curvature um, as opposed to getting stuck in your suffering. And, and there's different interventions for that, right? Um, you know, in terms of grounding techniques. And I mean, there's so many modalities, right? I, I am trained in internal family systems. And so for me, if someone was, like you said, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this burning sensation. Are you asking me to sit with that? If, if you were my client, I'd say, yeah, let's go towards that. Let's actually get curious about what that is, because I actually believe that all parts of us have information. And most of the parts of us, even the ones that we don't like, are are typically, you know, protectors or even holding wounds. Um, and and so that's the distinction I would make. Um, I don't I, please feel free to ask clarifying questions. I know I kind of went went all over there. I do understand the idea. It's still a concept in my mind, of course, because I noticed when I have those feelings that they are in the body, then the tendency is to judge them. Oh, I'm having these feelings because. Yes. <laughs> and then there's a conversation happening. Exactly. Yeah, it makes it worse, always. Always. And, and so when that comes up for my clients, we actually turn towards the parts that judge. They become, they become actually the client. And, and my goal is to bring curiosity and compassion towards those parts and, and not just from myself, but, but to get some buy-in from the client to do the same because, you know, they, those parts that judge actually hold information. I think that's what I believe. And they hold, um, and I actually think all parts have good intentions. Um, the, the way that they <laughs> show up in our system doesn't feel that way, um, but that's that's how I would work with those. For some reason, my healing experiences, they lean towards spirituality instead of therapy. For some reason, although I have done some therapy too. 
And then I have this, what comes to me, it's always, there's another voice that comes when conversations in, in my mind, um, this, that voice starts to judge whatever's happening. Then there's another voice that um, asks all of the voices around to just really? be open and accept what's happening and love them too. It's interesting to see that, the movement too. So do you have any spiritual practices or views or belief systems? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> and and I don't know if I could properly articulate them, but I will try. Um, I I actually see the work that I do as a spiritual practice. Um, that's I I actually I, I will go on a limb and say that I I believe that if you're in um, in the realm of of grief, um, supporting people in this. I think I think it's hard to do the work um, and to, to be in this space without having an understanding of of I will say a contemplative practice of kind of um, that's 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 the way that I would describe my my spirituality at the moment and it's ever evolving for me um, I I don't you know, it's it's funny to hear you. It's not funny. It it, it makes sense because I think that there's no, this notion that I, this comes up quite a bit in my in my work um, with consult calls um, from clients, and they've asked like, you know, can I some of them right? Can I talk about my spirituality here? Like, is that part of the work? I you know, do I went to see a medium? Are you going to judge that? And um, you know, all of that is so important. I mean the work that that I do and hold space for people are examining their, their lives. You know, I, I just had a client before this call who said to me, you know, Catherine, I came into this, this work um, and I didn't ever think about an afterlife. And now I adamantly believe in one. I mean, it's just these enormous shifts people are having. Um, and so getting back to me in terms of my practice, um, I, once again, I don't, <laughs> I don't have, my contemplative practice is, is truly a practice of not knowing and, and sitting with that and, and being open to what comes into, into my life and into, into my heart and, and what my clients teach me and what I can soak up from what my kid has to teach me. And, um, and, you know, do I believe in something larger than myself? I, I do. I do. And yet I really believe that that is at this point, I believe that that is kind of this, this core, what I would call self energy. It's, it's a term that comes from the modality IFS internal family systems, but the self energy being like this core that we're all born with. And, and for some people that they do call that a spirit, a, a spirit. And some people, you don't, you don't have to call it that, but it's kind of this core connection that we have to our ability to have compassion for our, ourselves and um, be creative and calm and confident and competent and all these kind of C words. And then I, I believe we also are right. These complex beings who have all these parts of us that, that make us actually unique. Um, And so for me, part of showing up in my work is, is actually bringing that what I would call the energy of love, that energy of compassion into, into the space, because that's contagious and, and people can feel it. Um, and, 
And there's no agenda in that. There's, there's absolutely no agenda in that energy. And, um, that is at the, at this moment that, that is my spiritual practice among, (laughs) I would say, taking care of my body and being outside as much as I can. And, and, you know, trying to see the world through my kid's eyes. So that's a long winded answer. And, but I would say it's ever evolving and it's, it's, um, it's very much from a place of not knowing. What was the main inspiration and intention to becoming a grief therapist? I'd love to know more about that. <clears throat> I never intended to become a therapist. It was, it was not. It was not on my um, list of professions that I had ever thought I would would seek out. I was a, a tennis coach. I played tennis in college and um, was a tennis coach before this and. Um, I will say that if I had to trace some roots to how I got here today, some of it is related to having this deep affection, um, for my grandparents growing up. Um, I was always drawn to, to, to older people. Um, and it's pretty curious about just their life experiences and what they had to say. And, um, that really kind of really followed that attunement, that, that interest, if you might say it to, uh, working in, in hospice. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of, in terms of doing the more kind of clinical grief work, um, my, my time in hospice as a, a social worker in hospice, so much of it is, um, you know, related to the pragmatics of, of dying, um, conversations around, um, healthcare power of attorneys and funeral arrangements. And, um, and I will say that what I found in, in terms of those moments, what I enjoyed the most was being able to be in these spaces with people to ask the hard questions that, that people struggled to ask of their own family members, such as what, what's most important to you right now? What do you want this to look like? What are you scared about? And being able to be in those spaces and, and also watch, you know, I mean, I think death and dying brings out some of the best of us and some of the worst of us. And so to, to kind of watch kind of the range of humanity and the rawness. Um, and so that all kind of led me to, <clears throat> I ended up kind of shifting every hospice program um, has a bereavement program, which is essentially a team of people who um, are assigned to follow up with um, uh, with the survivors of the loss. And so I ended up um, working and, and running one of those programs in, in Silver Spring, Maryland um, for a period of time. And I would say that was, I, I really enjoyed um, that, that transition from being with people who are dying to, to being with their people. Um, and so I credit, I credit those, those humans, um, for teaching me so much about just the other side, because (laughs) we can, we can think we can plan for what that feels like. And, and it's different. It's different on the other side. So, um, I just, I guess I enjoy people's rawness. I, I enjoy watching people, just reassess their lives and their priorities and their relationship to themselves and, um, and what they want to do. Um, there's actually a lot of laughter and humor and, um, 
I think I, I enjoy watching people kind of expand not only their tolerance for their pain, but I don't think we're that simple. I think we actually are expanding in two directions, our tolerance for our pain, but also our, our engagement with our, our power and our truth and even our joy. Um, and granted, that doesn't happen at the beginning of a intense grief process, but it's amazing to been able to witness so many of my clients um, feel a lot more free than they did. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm just drawn, I, I'm drawn to kind of watching, watching humans evolve <laughs> and, and after not wanting to do this, right? That like this is not a choice. Um, and I think grief either breaks you open or it breaks you closed. And that's maybe oversimplistic. Um, but I, I watch people sit with kind of their broken openness quite a bit and, um, and I just love, love being in those spaces. Ah, the more I listen to you, the, the more it's almost something in me says, how does she do this? Because it seems to be so challenging. That's the word that comes. It's amazing how you are drawn to do this. So that's why I do believe it's not a choice. You know, you're just, um, here doing what life is asking us to do. <laughs> and I really believe that. I don't know if that's a belief system even. And I love the way you say that. So in a way is you love the idea of seeing humans evolve through vulnerability, I would say. I would use that word. Yeah. So that's such a powerful place to be. You as a witness and then, of course, um, those people who are going through those difficulties that are opening their hearts and minds. Thank you so much, Catherine, not just for doing what you do, but for sharing yourself here today, because I can feel the energy in you. It's yeah. really powerful and beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Valeria. Wow. Um, I know you're also the founder of Grounded Grief, so uh, I would love to know more about um, the services that you offer through that website. I know you provide individual and group sessions, also training consultations and facilitation. Do you meet the clients online and offline or just online? Um, yes, I, um, I provide individual um, counseling both online and, and in my in-person Um my uh, my practice is actually by coastal, so I am based um, uh, I am based in Portland, Oregon. However, I have um, one of my colleagues is is out in Maryland, and we're hoping to actually expand um, uh, the practice to DC as well. Um, that's where I uh, used to work um, four or five years ago. So, um, yeah, my my heart is is also back there. Um, and yeah, in terms of, in terms of, you know, um, other services, we're hoping to get more groups up and going. Um, I really believe in group work when it comes to grief. I think that, um, it's so important to heal in community and be witnessed and really want to kind of honor that individual grief therapy is, is great for a lot of people and, and group therapy sometimes fits better for others. So we'll be getting groups going, um, hopefully this fall. And I have, um, another colleague who just came on board with us, um, for our Portland or Portland location. So, um, 
Yeah, I also work with clinicians who are wanting to expand their uh, their own tolerance for sitting with grief. Um, I think that my big thing is that, um, right, there's so many amazing modalities and, and very specific training for, for trauma, yet there there's a little bit of a lack that I would, I would say is out there for, um, for sitting with grief, because I think that you can help, you know, someone navigate their trauma. And yet what are you left with, right? You are left with the grief that they went through this, right? You were left with supporting them in that space. And so I think it's, it's actually so important for, um, you know, the field to really embrace, um, being, being with grief, um, because it's, it is part, if you're doing trauma work, you're, you're also doing grief work. If you're doing grief work, you're doing trauma work. I don't mm. think you can separate them. I'll have your website on your podcast profile. And I also want to mention the, uh, Instagram page that you have profile. It has so many amazing quotes, not just that, but you also explained them. I mean, beautiful articles, I would say short ones. And I will mention one or two of them. There are so many amazing ones, um, powerfully written, like it can be felt, those words. But before that, we are currently working on a new book, right, Catherine? Yeah, I mean, it will, I don't have a book out, so this would be my first, but I am Yes, I'm working on a book um, that will hopefully be a compilation of um, uh, my my Instagram posts. Um, at least it will be kind of ground, grounded by those. And the idea, what I have found, the idea is to make a book that is highly accessible, um, something that you don't have to get stuck, um, feeling like you get stuck reading. It doesn't take a lot of your time. I find that, that most of the people that I work with, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to take in information. And so my, my hope with, with this book is it will provide, um, some companioning in the first probably hundred days to first year, um, that is very digestible and something that, you can reliably send to people who you know who are navigating grief. Um, so yeah, I look forward to getting it out there. You write on one of your Instagram posts, you say, I believe the key ingredient of healing is not a matter of time. It is a matter of connection and feeling. So you have been talking about this, of course, connection and feeling, but feeling towards oneself, that self-compassion piece is very important. And you do mention that too in one of your write-ups there. Something that caught my attention was the, uh, the mm-hmm. musical inspiration. Uh, you have uh, some songs that you suggested. That is amazing. I have heard, of course, of songs that helps us with grief. That's good to listen to. But I didn't know about those two. You mentioned one of your posts there. So that's also an amazing tool to have to pass on to others. And then there are so many amazing quotes. I wish we can have another conversation about this because I have so many questions I didn't ask. There was one about the three phases of grief. And that was interesting to read too. You say uh, one is learning that the loss happened to the head and the heart connecting on the reality of the loss. And then three, learning to live with this reality in one's ongoing life. 
And then, of course, you explore and expand on these topics. This is a, another beautiful conversation to have. So, but for now, I have the ending questions. And before that, Catherine, would you like to add anything else that we left unsaid for today? No, not other than thank you for for listening and thank you for being curious about grief. I, I'm such a, so passionate about, I just, I really believe it's such a tool. And if, if we can, if we can learn to, to be with it, tolerate it, there's, there will be more peace. <laughs> there will be more. Yes. I agree a trillion times with that. Yes, absolutely. There's so many questions I wanted to ask you, but the time is the limiting today, unfortunately. (laughs) But I hope to have another conversation with you. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? I I would be really simple. I say the things, say the things that you want to say to your person. And what I found in my own experience with my dad and which makes me tearful now, but um, you'll hold on to those. And even if, even if nothing said at all perfectly, but just that, but just that you tried and you can take comfort in that. So say the things, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's a powerful one to say what we want to say. And I love what you added, even it doesn't matter how it it was said, it's just that you said. I love that. Thank you so much again for your presence here today, for the wisdom that you share, for the heartfelt, body-felt experience to be in your presence. It's very authentic. It's very present. That's what it is. So thank you so much for being you, Catherine. Thanks, Valeria. Same to you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, the book that you're writing, your services and future projects? Yeah, I'm, my Instagram account is, um, you know, you'll see a lot of my newest material there. Grounded Grief is the name and my website, groundedgrief.com. Wonderful. I'll have those two links on your podcast profile. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you, Valeria. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Catherine Hatch and her work, please visit her profile on Instagram at groundedgrief.com and also visit her website, groundedgrief.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.